Good morning. Let's get straight to markets. Take a look at the impact for the indices. Factual. Succinct. All you need to know before your trading day starts. Subscribe to our newsletter, CNBC's Daily Open. Hello and welcome to another episode of CNBC's Beyond the Valley. I'm Arjun Karpal here in London and there's an intensifying debate going on right now between uh, European telecommunications companies and big tech companies, mainly American tech giants like Alphabet uh, and Meta. Now, the latest bat really is over this question. Should big tech companies pay for telecommunications infrastructure in Europe, particularly mobile internet infrastructure that they end up using? Now, the telcos argue really that, and they've been complaining for more than a decade, that companies like Netflix or Google's YouTube have built their businesses on the back of infrastructure that these telecommunication companies have spent billions of dollars of investing into and building, but that the tech firms really haven't contributed to any of that. Some European Union politicians as well argue and and fear really that the European Union might get left behind the likes of the US or many countries in Asia when it comes to digital businesses and digital infrastructure. Meanwhile, the tech giants, as you can imagine, are very much against this proposal. And they argue they've already invested a lot of money into some of this telecommunications infrastructure. For example, Meta and Alphabet say they've spent billions of dollars laying underwater cables for transcontinental internet connections. Netflix says it's installed hundreds of servers across the EU, which effectively store some of its video locally, which takes the congestion out of some of these telecoms, internet networks as well. But the debate continues to wage on. And there are so many questions. How will this be implemented? What will be the impact on some of these services are there uh, going to be any impacts on the consumer and what does this mean really for the idea of net neutrality this idea that all internet traffic should be treated equally well to dig into some of these questions and the debate i'm pleased to introduce dexter tillian he's a lead uh, technology and telecoms analyst at the economist intelligence unit uh, and he joins me dexter thanks so much for for joining me on beyond the valley thanks for having me Give us the backstory here then. Where did this debate between the telcos and big tech originate from? This is a long debate. It started over 10 years ago when we had voice over IP, so the likes of Skype and messaging over IP, so the likes of WhatsApp. So kind of using non-telecoms alternative to telecom services. So this has been a long-standing debate which started over 10 years ago. Now it's moving to another area, area, which is about video, which is obviously using far more bandwidths. But this is kind of the same debate in terms of the telecoms operators saying that the big tech companies or content companies are basically free-riding on the network, free-riding on the connectivity. Then big tech is not paying its share. And at the same time, big tech is getting most of the value coming from those telecoms network, where which the telecoms operator are investing quite an awful lot on. So I'd love to go through the different debates, the different sides of this debate, starting with the telcos. What are they arguing here? Well, the argument is that they're free riding on the network. So if you're a telecoms operator, you need to invest quite a lot into 5G, into fiber. We're talking billions of dollars. There's more and more pressure also coming on them from policymakers and regulators because technology is seen as a key strategic priority in terms of the future economy. So we need those companies which are using a lot of our network to help us pay to pay their fair share. On the other end, the content companies are basically saying, one, we're already investing quite a lot into infrastructure, 
We're investing into submarine cables. We're investing into what is called content delivery networks, which is kind of on the back end in terms of making sure the content gets to the consumer very, very quickly. They're also saying that consumers are basically paying for already for services. So you and I will have our mobile services, we'll have our fixed services, and we'll be paying to access whatever content we want. And the best are also saying that it is thanks to the services that consumers are actually subscribing to the most advanced type of connectivity. If it wasn't for them, if it wasn't potentially for Netflix, for YouTube, people might still be on maybe 2G or DSL and therefore not paying as much. So that's kind of the counter argument coming from the tech companies. But this is also very much a political issue, right, Dexter, in terms of uh, you've got the European uh, Union uh, lawmakers involved here from the European Council to the Commission, you know, but there's still disagreement amongst politicians themselves. So so when you look at the political landscape, what are some of the debates swirling there? So that's quite interesting because obviously it's obviously a political issue. We've got a commission, especially Margaret Bestlago and Thierry Breton, the two commissioners, which are kind of pushing toward that way. You've got some countries which are a bit wary about making big tech companies pay for basically using your network because that has some net neutrality issues potentially. You've got the pan-European regulators, which is basically saying that they found no evidence so far of free riding. And I think one of the issues so far we're having is that not a lot of data has been given from either side in terms of if you're a telecoms company using all that data, the services like bandwidth are coming from big tech is kind of having a cost on the network and same on the other side. This is not just a European debate. You've also seen it in the US and in, in also in Asia. I think in the US it's probably far more partisan than it is political in Europe. But obviously there's a lot of disagreement. There's a lot of debate. I think this is going to be ongoing for a while because I think the bottom line is how do you make sure in Europe that Europe has the latest network being rolled out? Or do you make sure you've got the best fiber network being rolled out to everyone? Or do you make sure you have the best 5G networks available to be rolled out? So this is kind of the argument. This is why it's become a political debate. So is this partly driven by a fear from European politicians that perhaps Europe may be left behind to some extent when it comes to connectivity and digital businesses versus, say, uh, countries in Asia or, or even the US itself? Yes, I mean, it's... Basically, the idea that technology has become strategic, has become geopolitical, and therefore, in order to be a leader in a future economy, you need to be a tech leader. So the first stage of doing that is obviously through connectivity. And there is some argument, if, especially if you cut 5G, there's far more demand in the US, in China, in South Korea, compared to Europe. So there's the idea that the reason was this. We don't have that level of demand is because the networks are not quite there yet and because operators are put into much bigger pressure. I think you can make the argument as well is that regulation in Europe has been far more consumer focused than in the rest of the world, which means that the focus has been very much lower price for consumer, which only is good if you're a consumer because you're paying less. But that means that the margins of those telecoms operator it's will be lower than in the rest of the world and therefore they can't invest as much and they can't roll out services as much and they can't pay as much at the onset, bearing in mind the return on investment is quite long and long term compared to other parts of the world. But Dexter, also, how much is this about telcos sort of just complaining? Because, you know, they haven't made the right investments. They haven't changed their business models. They haven't invested for the Internet age. You know, we've seen telcos try to get into things like social media or streaming, etc. But they have not been able to compete on that level with some of the uh, large American tech giants. So how much is this uh, the telcos just complaining? Because, you know, quite frankly, they're seeing they've seen years and years of slow growth. 
and they've just not been able to get their act together to innovate. Yes, if you believe that in order for a telco to innovate, it needs to innovate into content, which is not necessarily the case. We've seen in the US with AT&T and Time Warner, we've seen in Europe with an awful lot of European telecoms operators investing quite a lot in terms of sports, so BT in the UK, Orange also did it, Movistar in, or Telefonica in Spain. That's not really their job. That's not really what they're good at. They're good at connectivity, but obviously connectivity is a far different job. I think the issue is that the value has gone to content, whereas maybe you should see connectivity and content as complementary. They're seen also most as competition. And that's where it comes the big tech companies are getting most of the value potentially. And I think there's two kind of reasons as to why also they're moving that way. The first one is they're obviously saying that politically they're in a favorable time in terms of they're seeing some politician basically saying, especially as I mentioned, the commissioners saying this might be an idea. And there's also there's you know one of the ways you can have potentially slightly higher margin and kind of great scale is for consolidation. And we've not seen that in Europe happening since Vestager actually came in. So before Vestager, we've seen a, a few mergers happening in Germany, in Italy, in Ireland, in Austria. The first thing she did when she came around that she broke the merger in Denmark, her own country. Six million people going from four to six. That was clearly anti-competitive. Did the same in the UK with three or two. I think the UK was quite interesting because at the same time as three or two was being blocked, BTE wasn't. So if you remove one player, in a mobile market, that's really bad for competition. But if you put the biggest fixed player with one of the biggest mobile player, that's just an issue with competition. So maybe a bit of contradiction there. So because you can't really have consolidation and you still have an awful lot of countries in Europe with four players, that's an issue. And LBC is an issue of scale. If you look at China, it's over a billion people, a big, big market with three players there. If you look at the US, not three players in a big, big market in Europe. Obviously, most of the country has three or four player market, but it's fragmented into 27 member states in the EU. Even in the UK, you have four. There's a lot of talk about future consolidation. We've seen Vodafone trying to do a bit more. But if you can't really see consolidation and you're trying to get some money from somewhere, potentially, then because the political environment is favorable to you, you're trying to think that potentially you're trying to make big tech pay. But that leads to an awful lot of other issues. We're just going to take a very quick break to bring you this short message. Ambition to me is about doing better. I think ambition creates a pathway. The best advice I can give someone starting off a career is don't have a career, have lots of careers, try loads of different things. Talk to people and put your ambition out there. I don't feel that I've hit peak ambition because it's a learning journey. CNBC is where ambition meets opportunity. What does living ambitiously mean to you? Hear it from our CNBC anchors, reporters and global business leaders on CNBC.com. Well, you make a good point in the sense that, um, you know, telcos are, are doing what they're good at, which is connectivity. But conversely, you know, you look at these tech giants and they've been trying to get into a, a number of different areas over the years. And you have seen them increasingly focus on connectivity themselves, right? You see these sort of undersea cables being laid by, by companies like Google. You see Google Fi, the sort of mobile network plans they're offering in the US. Um, so there seems to be a little bit of, ambition from some of these tech companies around the connectivity puzzle. Do you think that at all threatens the the way in which these telcos business models run? Yes and no. I'm going to I'm going to explain why. So basically yes in the sense that we're seeing companies especially it's probably more on the enterprise side when we're seeing the use of cloud, the use of kind of IT services coming in increasingly. I think on the consumer side it's still a very difficult business to come in because you need to invest quite a lot 
So Google tried to do fiber. They also tried to do fiber in the US and they realized that they couldn't do fiber across the entire country and they couldn't definitely couldn't do fiber across the rest of the world. There's always been rumors for the last 10, 15 years there have been analysts of you know, Apple doing connectivity directly, Google, Facebook, Meta. They haven't done it because it's a tough job and it's a very kind of fairly low margin type of job compared to their core business, compared to advertising, compared to content. But I do think in terms of rolling out actual networks, mobile network, 5G network with all the antennas, fiber networks with all the infrastructure that is required, is difficult. Obviously, they're doing more in terms of submarine cables, and this is where we've seen a big shift. You know, Facebook and Google are doing quite a lot, whereas maybe 10, 15 years ago, it was mostly big telecoms operator. But I think this is kind of just on that particular market. I don't really foresee anytime soon, and I could be wrong, Facebook and Apple or Google offering kind of a very compelling type of connectivity offer in terms of having the highest level of connectivity on a wide basis. That, that's a that's a great point. I mean, one one of the interesting things about this entire debate is when you actually start to begin to think about how such a proposal could be implemented, right? Um, how do you then say, well, you know, uh, YouTube or, or Netflix, you're using this percentage of our network. The implementation sounds messy um, at the moment. Is it, is that one of the biggest challenges? I'm just not entirely sure we implement it. Uh, you know, do you look at percentage? Do you look at value or bandwidth? So therefore, if you're above the threshold, you need to pay. If you're below it, you don't pay for it. Does that mean that some operators will you know, worsen the customer experience or the quality of the stream to be the threshold? Uh, or do you, I mean, that's why I talked earlier about the need for data. They kind of need, they kind of need to be very, very regulated, very, very strictly. And also, how do you future-proof it? So the example I like to give is that Disney Plus was launched in November 2019. This has been in debate for quite a while. So if that rule had come in in early 2019, Disney Plus wouldn't have counted as a key, you know, bandwidth user. But obviously, it's not one of the key bandwidth user now. So how do you make sure that you put rules in that in five years' time are still going to be applicable if you see new usage coming in and you know what is the level is it just a big you know if you put it very narrow you focus on the americans company mostly which has its own geopolitical implication if you put in kind of very broad you have an awful lot of companies that can come in so we're both in the uk bbc iplayer is quite a big user of bandwidth are you going to make the bbc pay for using the network that's a complicated issue so in terms of implementation, you know, it looks good on paper. We looks good to say, yeah, let's make Netflix and YouTube and Facebook pay for content, pay for using the network. But how do you actually do it? I'm not entirely sure. And let's talk about some of the implications, I guess, for the consumer, for, for the broader internet space as well, because you mentioned earlier the term net neutrality, I guess, this idea that, that all internet traffic should be treated equally, right? And when you start then saying, well, uh, tech companies may need to pay for parts of the network. You know, there are concerns that this could impact net neutrality. If, you know, a company like Netflix says, well, you know, I paid for this much. Therefore, you know, the bandwidth I'm allocated should be a lot more than, than another company. Uh, and so that all, that all debate starts to, uh, come to the fore there. Right. So how, I mean, in, in this, what are some of the concerns over net neutrality? Are there any uh, sort of talking points you've seen about the way that politicians and others may want to uh, uh, tackle this net neutrality debate? So obviously, if you start making paying certain companies for content, then non-all content is treated equally. Therefore, there's an issue with net neutrality. 
I think as they try to implement it, they'll basically be looking at other types of markets, so not the market and the neutrality, which is kind of the end market, which is the content to the user is treated equally, maybe potentially looking at interconnection, but that gets very technical and very, very complicated to implement, to regulate, to see on a on a on a daily basis, on a on a monthly basis. So that's kind of one other issue. We've seen when other regions, other countries have tried to do something similar. So I think South Korea tried to do something. And basically what happened is that the tech companies are starting moving the interconnection away from South Korea to put it into another country, which meant that it couldn't be regulated. Obviously, Europe is bigger, so that's far more difficult to do. But what that meant is potentially, or that I'd meant, uh, in that case is that kind of a worsening, a worse kind of experience for the end user because the streaming you know, quality was not as good. And obviously, a third way potentially that could, if we, we start to have this rule, is that you basically pass it on to the consumer. We've seen some examples already when there was that kind of idea of a tax in some countries starting putting digital tax unitarily. So in France, when that happened, Amazon basically uh, put up its prices to its its, its brands by 3%, which is the amount of the tax. So if it's a tax by you know, 3%, 4%, you basically increase the prices of Netflix and whatever. You can do that and basically instead of having the big tech companies paying for it, you have the consumer potentially paying for it. So there's some issues there. You said, look, this debate is, is sort of around 10 years old, more than 10 years old. So as we're sort of continuing this debate these days, what, what next? What do you see happening next uh, for both sides here, the telcos, the politicians, uh, and everyone else involved? I think it's going to be ongoing for a while. I think there's personally going to be a debate within Europe as to whether this makes sense, because obviously there's some countries which don't fully agree. And you're going to need those agreements if it goes through the European Union to the Council. There's also the idea of, you know, we're looking at streaming now, but in 10 years' time, if the metaverse fully takes off in terms of bandwidth, that's going to be far bigger and that's probably going to be far different companies. So do you regulate what's happening now and not regulate what's, what will happen in five years' time? You need to look into it again. And I think there's still going to be that debate because the core issue is paying for the network. And the, you know, the technology is seen as a strategic priority. It's very difficult to have the consumer pay for it and basically say, you know, your fiber connectivity, your fiber subscription actually is worth far much more than what you're paying for. Same with your 5G, if we need to pay more so we can have fiber across the board. So that's a, that's a major issue uh, there. And it's, you know, about... Technology as a strategy priority, technology as kind of the key thing for the future economy. And how do you make sure that happens? So I think we're going to have a lot of debates going forward between the different stakeholders. All have good arguments. I mean, I tend to think it's very, very difficult to implement. So putting it together, I don't know, you do it, you're probably going to forget a few players around and there's going to be that kind of an impact in terms of competition. I mentioned Disney. So if Netflix was to be put under those rules, but Disney or another players coming into the streaming market, basically not under these rules, they become a key players in two or three years' time. But do you make, you know, do you make sure that the streaming market remains competitive? It's very, very difficult. I think the system we have now probably works. Uh, sometimes you see operators basically saying, yes, we're seeing more traffic, but the cost per gigabit per gigabyte is actually a bit lower. So we're still making money, but there's still that kind of issue in terms of or value of content compared to connectivity and the return of investment, which is far, far more in the future. If you're a telecoms operator, which you need to invest quite a lot now, and then your return on investment is 10, 20, 
30 years time, whereas on the content side, it's probably far more short term. Therefore, they're making money far more quickly. So I don't, I don't think there's an easy answer to that debate. I don't think it's, it's about how do you make sure that you get the best network possible? We invest for it. Are you using taxation? Are you using consumer? Are you using big tech companies? Are you using whatever? So that money needs to be spent. But all you do it is still kind of a question mark and it's still likely to be a lot of debate in the next couple of years from my perspective. Uh, Dexter, I appreciate the insight. Thank you for joining me on the podcast. Thank you very much. Well, this debate between the telecommunications companies in Europe and big tech giants is only set to continue. It's been going on for a decade already. And clearly there are so many questions still that remain, particularly around how such a proposal of getting some of these tech companies to pay for communications infrastructure uh, will play out, how it will be implemented, the impact on the consumer as well as the impact potentially on the idea of net neutrality as well. Very complex, but you can clearly see where each side is coming from uh, in this debate. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, If you've got any views on this, you can contact me directly on Twitter. I'm on at Arjun Karpal. You can also drop your comments below if you're watching this on YouTube. But that's it for another episode of CNBC's Beyond the Valley. Thanks for watching and listening, and I'll catch you next time. Beyond the Valley.